fear not. I'm not going to preach on the whole passage. Um, what a lot of things there are in that passage. Difficult passage? Absolutely. But a fun passage? A captivating passage? Oh, yes. All right. Okay, Uh, I just want to pray also. Father in heaven, I ask you for your illumination of this passage. It's this great, great passage. Um, Help me to speak. Help us all to bring your spirit to to help us uh, apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, driving through Ocean City, New Jersey, um, 18th Street. I was in a bit of a hurry, a street preaching actually down there, so I was be- I was behaving myself that that night. Uh, come out, come down 18th Street. Uh, the yellow light is starting to turn, so I think I can make this this light. So um, I go through, but I see a Honda CRV coming the other way. She had a red light, had to have been a red light. I was yellow. They don't change that fast. Um, she wasn't stopping. So what do I do? I try to speed up in my little Honda Accord, um, and I think I'm going to make it. Looks okay, but she nicks me right on on the tail, over the the rear wheel. Spins my car, 180 degree spin. Could have gone maybe a little faster, but there were cars on that right side of the street. There was a hump here, right at the crown of the road. Uh, I thought I wouldn't make that. So there I am, spun around, 180 degrees, reverse, you know, there was the big crash, and there were two witnesses. So the witnesses come out, the police are there. Uh, I get out of the car, a little bit groggy, right? And there's, they start asking questions. Well, you have to learn not to, uh, you know, be careful what you say. So how fast were you going? Oh, I think probably around 30. Oh, there you go. You're over the speed limit. Okay, but I was guessing. It was only an estimate of the speed. Uh, but I was probably probably missed the yellow, yellow light anyway. But she didn't have any any brakes. She did not brake her car. Uh, why do I know that? He says, "Okay, this is simple. We have witnesses. They both heard the screeching of brakes uh, on the street. One screeching of brakes. Um, so, oh well, so it is." Then I thought a little bit more about that, and there should have been two screeching hat sounds they heard. They should have heard her screeching. And they should have heard my, my tire screeching too, because I did a 180 in a car. The tires are going to make a sound when you do that. Okay, that was my thinking. Uh, but they only heard one. Whose did they hear? They heard mine, not hers. She never hit the brakes. She was texting or something like that. Okay. So the policeman does his job, writes the account down. Uh, and there is in stone. It's, it's a fairly easy thing to write down, right? But it's wrong. It's wrong. Um, so, all that to say, here we have, in the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel saw a dream and visions in his mind uh, as he lay on his bed. Then he wrote the dream down and related the following summary of it. The 
He wrote it down. This is the inspiration. I don't need to tell you guys. I wasn't sure who would be here, but you are uh, well aware what's going on here. Daniel writes down. This is the inspiration of Scripture. He sees a vision, like the cop saw the vision, but the cop wrote it down without the inspiration of the Scripture. Daniel writes this down. The vision is he sees it, the fully inspired Word of God, right? And that's what we have. And, you know, no one has really been able to overturn that. They want to put Daniel's writing sometime in the uh, 2nd century B.C. Um, but no one has really ever ever turned. Uh, good evidence for the idea that Daniel wrote uh, in the uh, 586 or some, something a little bit after that, during the Babylonian captivity. They want to refute that because... This would mean, if that's correct, this would mean that Daniel has made detailed predictions, and not Daniel just, but the inspired writing of Daniel gives detailed prediction of the history that goes beyond that, in these four beasts even. So they really have to have, there's, there's a lot at stake in this. It would show that this God knows the future, the God of Israel, the God of this punky nation of these captives, Israel, knows the future, predicts it, Brexit is in control of it. He's in control of secular history. In fact, you have to read secular history to really understand what's going on here. That's how um, in control of this thing, this whole thing God is. All right? Um, <clears throat> so the difference is Daniel's inspired. The Ocean City Cop is not inspired. It makes all the difference. We have this certainty. Right, a God who can predict the future and writes it down. There are no errors in this. They can't find errors. They try. They examine it, cross-examine it. Doesn't work. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so, what does he see? He sees four winds. I was looking in the in the vision in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea. Wind is usually not good news in the Bible, right? You have um, <clears throat> some cases good, some cases not good, right? So you have these four winds of heaven. We're stirring up the great sea. Not talking about winds, really, right? What's really going on behind this um, is that invisible forces uh, are at work, who are planning, who are rational beings, probably. Four spirits can also be spirit. But winds that he sees in the vision are a symbol of this stuff that's going on. They're causing trouble, right? But God is saying, go ahead and cause the trouble. It's all going right according to plan. Nothing's out of, out of sequence here. It's all going right where it's supposed to go. And four great beasts were coming up from the sea, different from one another. Four, look at this four. You think of the numbers in the Bible. You think of the number seven. Oh, that's significant, right? Completion, right? Perfection. Um, whatever else. Uh, numbers like 40, 40 years wilderness wandering, right? Jesus, 40 years of temptation uh, and 40 days of temptation. You think of all, you don't really think that much about the number four. But here it is over and over again. Four winds of heaven, four great beasts were coming up from the sea, different one from another, all right? Um, there are four uh, 
four men with Daniel, his three friends and himself. There's four. In fact, you could even say uh, there are four groups of wise men that come before Nebuchadnezzar earlier in the chapter. You guys are somewhat familiar with Daniel, right? Mm -hmm. I think you are. So I don't really have to review, my, you know, the, the awesome stuff that goes on uh, in the book. Um, all right. So and even this is just my input. Uh, you have four Gospels. Why the four Gospels? It comes from this thing of, uh, I think partly, in Amos you have for three transgressions and for four, I'm going to do this, right? You have also um, Proverbs. Three things are amazing to me. I forget, I didn't look, should have looked it up. Uh, even four. So here's this, this complete thing, this humdrum of life, but there's something beyond this that's going to be a big bang, right? So here are the, uh, the, the, the four beasts, but beyond that, there's something else that breaks the mold. It's going to be the kingdom of God is going to arrive. Even the Gospels, you have four Gospels, right? Um, and you think, why the four Gospels? Well, what happens after the four Gospels? Bang, it's the book of Acts, right? Who would have expected that from these guys, from these uh, apostles, disciples? All right, so... Um, so we always want a calm sea. Jesus comes out, he calms the sea. We always want that. But that's not what God always wants. He wants this stuff to be stirred up. So it's his plan goes forward. Um, so what about the sea? The beasts come out of this sea, not really out of the out of the ocean. This is a vision now, right? Um but the sea is always the place where there's turmoil. It's the place of the ancient people had uh, mythology that comes out of, out of the sea. Bad stuff comes out of the ocean. The Spirit of God hovers over the surface of the waters to organize it, to, uh, to bring out of chaos the order of, of Genesis 1. So the sea is always a dangerous, a, a scary place. So we're not seeing... I live in Ocean City. We're not seeing people come out, beasts coming out of, out, of the, out of the water up on the beach in Ninth Street. We're not seeing that. We're seeing, we're seeing these monsters on the face of the earth. They're coming right from the earth. They're coming right from around us. And what are they? They're kings. They're rulers. And they're walking right around among us. Um, so, uh, so there they are. Uh, and you know what? Do you, do you have, and how much control do you have over the wind? Not a lot. You can get out of the wind, just, but can you stop the wind? No. With all the stuff they can do, you, you can't stop the wind. The wind is uncontrollable. Well, Daniel found himself uh, in an uncontrollable situation. He had no control. Daniel's somewhere in the king's palace or they have special quarters for him. I don't know where he is, being a wise man, right? And um, but he has no control over that. So what does he do? Well, this, this writer named Paul House talks about the Maccabees. And this comes up later on, actually, in these, these passages, who led a revolt back in the, uh, around 167, I think it was. That number sticks in my mind. Um, because this guy, Antiochus IV, 
went into the temple and defiled it. I think he sacrificed a pig on the altar, something like this. Uh, so Judas, Judah Maccabee and his brother, again, I'm garbling up the history. I'm sorry about that. Um, but basically they took over the temple, defiled it. Judah Maccabee and, and his brother revolted. I think that's where they get Hanukkah. Does that sound right? Am I totally garbling that up? <laughs> but I think that's, <laughs> it's something like that. In other words, they revolt. They, they, uh, they, they put an end to it. But that doesn't really work because not long after that, they're back into their apostasy anyway, the, the Jewish nation. It doesn't really work. So what do you do? What do you do when there are these uncontrollable things in your life? In your life? Do you have that? It could be anything. I've certainly had that. You can't just fly away. You just can't move to California. You just can't do this or that. Here's what Daniel does. He prays in wisdom, and here's the thing now. He waits. You gotta wait, right? Not a popular message. He gives strength to the weary, to him who lacks might, he increases power. Uh, yet to those who wait for the Lord, they will mount up with things like eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not faint. You gotta wait. That's what faith is about. Abraham had to wait many years before Isaac comes on the scene. Uh, Daniel has to wait. He can't do anything. He can't quit. He can't go in and say, Nebuchadnezzar, you know, here's my resignation. You know? <laughs> See ya. That's the end of it. All right. But when he waits and prays, look at what happens in, in Babylon, I think. Take a quick swig of water. He prays in wisdom and he waits. All right, so the first beast. First beast was like a lion. Had the wings of an eagle. I kept looking until its wings were plucked. It was lifted up from the ground and made to stand on two feet like a man, a human mind also was given to it. What is that? That's nothing other than a quick synopsis of Nebuchadnezzar's worship of the living God. You're saying, did Nebuchadnezzar become a believer in the God of Israel? I think he did. There's nothing in stone about that. I'd like to think that. I know that Daniel was praying for years and Daniel was praying during this time when he saw stuff that wasn't pretty. He saw oppression by Nebuchadnezzar. In fact, he preaches to Nebuchadnezzar um, in this, uh, in the, at the end of chapter 4, I think it is. Uh, stop the oppression. He says that to this pagan king, Nebuchadnezzar. So there he, there he is. So, Nebuchadnezzar is said, he's definitely the first beast. Remember, he, he's bragging on the, uh, on the balcony. You remember that story, right? Um, and so God turns him into an atom. So he, he roams around for seven days or seven months, it is. Uh, it's seven something. Uh, and then the whole thing changes. God reinstates him. He praises, he worships the living God. Uh, just a tremendous, tremendous uh, story 
about Nebuchadnezzar. He was like a lion, all the power. He was like an eagle, but then his wings are taken off. Once a wing, an eagle's wings are taken off, he's nothing. But then he becomes a man. God turns him into a man. God doesn't call these other beasts men. There's nothing man-like about, him until, about them until we get to the, uh, the fourth beast who has eyes like a man, uh, but he's a monster. He's that much more of a monster. With here, well, in this case, Nebuchadnezzar is made a real man, a real image of God. No longer a beast, I think. Ah, that, that I think is really cool. This is this first, this premier king of Babylon, which is this empire that really is a symbol of all of paganism. It really is, I think, where it all starts in the, the empire of Babylon. And God goes right after him. God's right after him. It, I, I think the plan is, look, uh, the kingdom of God moves from the Jews to the pagan world. Here's the beginning of it. Ah, that's so awesome. And you, you have to think that Daniel played a big part in that. At least I think so. Sometimes I think the greatest evangelistic tool is a clean heart. Create in me, O oh God, a clean heart. I used to not think that. No, you got to do activity. You've got to do plan and strategy. All that Daniel had going for him was a clean heart. Then the king asked him to come in and interpret a vision. And he's there. He calls on God. That's done. That's, that's the first beast. Like a lion, he gets trimmed. So God is already at work in these pagan kingdoms. A mind of man, a mind that worships God. A mind, his sanity is returned. Uh, why? Because he's a worshiper of God. Not the way the world, the world sees that as insanity. The world has it just the opposite. But God's going to flip everything, which he, he normally does. Create in me, O God, a clean heart. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Second beast. I'm not going to scratch the surface of what this is about. I'm, I'm telling you, you know that. Behold, another beast, a second one, resembling a bear. It was raised up on one side, and three ribs were in its mouth between its teeth. And thus they said to it, Arise, devour much meat. This is the Persian Empire, I think. Understand, this is interpreted differently. Right? But that's my interpretation. I think it's pretty clear. Arise, uh, devour much meat. What do they mean by that? What are the three ribs in its mouth? He's a bear. He's raised up on one side. Uh, many people think this is the, the Persian dominance of this Persian and media, Median alliance, Medo-Persian Empire, uh, which is a, a big-time empire. Uh, the beast dominated by one side, I mean, the, uh, the bear dominated by one side, three ribs in its mouth and between its teeth, and cheerleaders. They're saying, go on, 
devour much meat. What is, is this a party animal? Is that what we're talking about here? Uh, devour meat. There are bones sticking out of his mouth. What's that all about? Who eats bones? Lions don't eat bones. Lions pick the flesh out between the bones. They don't do that. But this is indiscriminate consumption. They want to eat, eat stuff. And that's the way these, these empires are. That's the way these godless empires that arise from fallen humanity are. They consume stuff. They want everything. They want to know. They, they have a message. See, a message comes up on, on um, uh, Gmail, on my Gmail. And it says, here's a message. Reply? What do you mean? Reply? That's not your business if I want to reply. They want to get that far into my life, that they want to track whether I'm replying to someone. Is that crazy? They just want to consume everything. They want my life. They want to find out what kind of deposits you're making in your bank, what you're taking out. They want literally everything. The consumption never stops. Those are the kingdoms of this world. They're beasts. They know no end. But even that beast is used by God. The first beast uh, is Babylon, right? Uh, the pagan king may be converted to the, to, to the God of heaven. The second beast, that's Cyrus. Cyrus set, puts out a decree saying, per, permitting the Jews to return to the promised land. So God is using the second beast too. You know, um, I went to, uh, have you ever heard of um, Philly Mocha? Have you ever heard of that place? <laughs> well, I, some college kids said, you know, we'll put you in a play. I do, I street preach at Temple. And um, they said, well, can you uh, come on down on, on March 1st, Tuesday night, March 1st, we have a thing going on, Philly Mocha. It's like a drama thing. Oh, that's not what it was, but uh, a drama thing. And um, um, well, I go down there. It's on Spring Garden Street. It's 10 o'clock. I, I debated, oh, man, Lord, I, I just don't want to do that. But it's a, it could be an opportunity. Um, so I'm walking around. I can't find the place. I'm saying, oh, I hope I don't find it. Lord, I hope I don't find this place. <laughs> and I can tell him I looked. Uh, sure enough, oh, there's this crowd of kids. I had to be them. All right, is this it? Yes. It's, I, I'm talking to this guy. They're very friendly, young, all young people. And this one, I'm just talking to this one guy, and he says, have you ever been to a, uh, a punk concert before? And I said, uh, no, this is like a drama thing, isn't it? Uh -uh, this is, uh, there are punk bands in there. <laughs> uh, so he must have been thinking, what is this old guy doing here? What is this? Well, I went in there. Um, and it was, first of all, way too loud, just very loud. Uh, so they gave me, they run over and give me earplugs and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> so I can only stay for, I can only take it for so long, you know. It was crazy, you know what. But, uh, but they really liked the fact that I went there. They really liked that. They're not hopeless. Don't give up. Don't you give up on anybody, right? Daniel didn't give up on Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, right? Don't, don't you give up. Hang in there and pray for them. 
Right? These are people who are needy. They need the gospel. They need Christ. Uh, it could e- Daniel could easily have written Nebuchadnezzar off. Uh, he doesn't, doesn't do that. So the beasts were to... That's what I want to say about that. Third beast. After this, I kept looking, and behold, another one like a leopard, which had on its back four wings of a bird. The beast also had four heads, and a, and dominion was given to it. Well, I think this is very clear. Clearly, Alexander the Great. I think it's this is very clear. But this is all debatable. There are guys who would say, no, no, they definitely different interpretations on this. Uh, but I think you have the four heads. Um, that is, that would be his uh, Alexander's four generals around 334 to 330. Alexander conquers the Persian Empire in, a, in the span of about four years. It's it's just unbelievable. Alexander the Great, one of the military geniuses of history. Um, so. But then he dies, 323, he suddenly dies. He contracts some sort of an illness. Uh, he's always out at the front. Um, and he dies. That's it. So that, so his kingdom goes to, to four generals. Uh, to Lysimachus, Seleucus, Ptolemy, and Cassander. Uh, Ptolemy and Seleucus. Seleucus is uh, the guy who eventually produces uh, Antiochus IV. This this unbelievable beast, you know, does the desecration of the temple. Uh, right. So he has four heads. How many kings do you know have four heads? They don't have four heads, do they? They don't look like beasts, do they? They look like every guy, every everybody you see on the street. Uh, they look like Alexander Putin, don't they? Pretty handsome guy, I guess. Um, a regular Joe. Well, guess who else was like that? Heinrich Himmler. Some of you guys know about Heinrich Himmler. You can, can correct me on, on this. I think he was the head of the SS, am I right? Yes. Uh, one of the three of Hitler's inner circle. Am I right? There's Goering, Goebbels, and, and um, Himmler. Well, um, after the war... But by the way, Himmler also had a uh, uh, was wanted to plot to kill Hitler, and as loyal as these guys were. After the war, what do they do? Well, it's all chaos. It's not the way we can imagine. I mean, Germany surrenders. You have these guys marching around trying to find somewhere to live. They're stealing stuff from farms, I guess. Allies uh, have different checkpoints, uh, so it's a mess. But you also have Heinrich Himmler wandering around there. He's still there. This monster is still there, still alive. And he goes to Sweden, and he could have found asylum in Sweden. I think this is correct. Uh, and he wanted to cut some deal with uh, with the Allies, uh, but the guys in Sweden say, "No, we're not. Or we're not going to give you asylum. You go over and and try to cut a deal with the guys in England." Uh, so he said, no, they'll, they'll hang me right away. So he goes back into Germany, southern Germany. So now he's wandering around Germany. You have this monster wandering around Germany. 
doesn't look like a beast, doesn't look like a monster. Shaves his mustache, uh, and there he is marching around, not marching, just wandering. Uh, and they finally catch him. They say, oh, we got something here. This is like the big fish. We're looking for this guy. Uh, but you never would have known. He was a monster, but he looked like an everyday Joe. So that's what it is. And that's, we're, we're among beasts all the time. We're among people, among uh, powers that want to consume us, want to strain every, uh, every bit of blood out of us. That's, that's the world we live in. Take my time here. Oh, okay. All right. But again, God uses all the beasts. He uses them all, even Alexander. Alexander spreads, has spread his kingdom. And it became like a Greek-speaking. There was a lingua, fran lingua franca, a, a common language. It was Greek. So the New Testament's written in Greek, so it can spread all over. The next kingdom, I think, is Rome. And this is, uh, while I was going to contemplate the horns, behold, another horn came up. Uh, a little one came up from among them. Hold on. A fourth beast, dreadful and terrifying and extremely strong. It had large iron teeth. It devoured and crushed and trampled down the remainder with its feet. It was different from all the beasts that were before it. And it had ten horns. Um, so, but here is where all the horns I kept looking until thrones were set up and the Ancient of Days took his seat. Have you ever seen, you remember the movie, Around the World in 80 Days? Uh, well, two British rich guys have a, uh, a bet. He can get around the world, come back in 80 days by, say, May 24th, right? I, I'm not sure what the date was. So they go on these ships. Um, it's back in the early, late 1800s, early 1900s. On ships, uh, they get on, on caravans, they ride on camels. That was the movie. Finally, they get back, and they're a day late. A day late. And so they commiserate. They sit in their, their apartment, and doggone it. We, we almost made it, but we're just a day late. Then his servant looks at a newspaper and says, Boss, it's May 24th. What happened? We crossed that time meridian, and we gained a day. Right? Oh, look at this. And then it was, it was getting late. It was toward the end of the day. So they got themselves all together, go down to the men's club, and they go marching in there, and they wait the way the British do until gong, exactly 12 midnight. And while it's gonging, they walk in. Guys, we win the bet. All right? They're on time. Listen, God is never not on time. He's always on time. He knows exactly what time it is. I don't care what your situation, God is going to show up on time. That's what he does here. The Ancient of Days shows up. Why now? Maybe the beast is getting too much of a following, but it's just exactly the right time, and it's justice. But running out of time, 
Uh, justice shows up for us. Is that what we want? Do we want justice? Yeah, we do want justice. I don't want to see these people suffer. In fact, maybe the prayer is, Lord, give them justice before the final justice. We're praying for people and begin to think maybe it's a good idea to pray, Lord, give them justice now, not later. Make it hard on them now, not later. But that's what it is. Is it okay to rejoice in the coming justice? Yeah, for us it is. It says, what were the people of the saints doing? They were serving God while this justice is going on, while this fiery justice, he's, he's starting to, 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 to pay back what needs to be paid back. What are, what are the saints of the Most High doing? They're serving God with joy. It's okay to look forward to that. It's awesome to look forward to that. We don't have to feel bad about looking forward to that. That's, that's not really a selfish thing. It's a gift from God, and we're going to have that. In Christ. But it's also fearsome. He looks at this beast, uh, and Daniel is afraid. He understands. He gets it. If we were in Daniel's spot, we would understand too. This is, this is a fearsome thing. Corey Tenboom. Anybody know, remember Corey Tenboom? Uh, she was a, um, a Dutch lady. They had harbored a lot of Jews in, in Holland, right? In Amsterdam, I think it was. Uh, that was a lot of fun, in a way. I think she was, there's a real excitement. Man, here we are, and we're we're telling them they they're over here behind this this wall, and they're not, and all this 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 kind of stuff, messing with the German uh, soldiers. But then she goes to a camp herself. Um, her sister dies. Her father is killed there. She comes back home. There's nobody there. Listen, this is not fun. This is this is a scary situation. The game we're playing is a dangerous game. And there's plenty to be scared about. Um, right? It's not it's not unreasonable to be scared by this stuff, be scared by this beast um, and all this stuff. But lastly, uh, we have the ancient of days show up. That's the father at just the right time. And then finally. Uh, what's left. Verse 13, I kept looking in the night visions and behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like a son of man was coming up. And he came up to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom that all the peoples, nations, and men of every language might serve him. His dominion is everlasting dominion, which will not pass away, and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. That's what's missing. You don't have the Father without the Son. You don't have this one-legged God, right? You have a triune God. Where does he come from? He's got to come from the Trinity to battle against the beasts that are solely from this earth. That's the exciting part, that the Ancient of Days come, comes not the ancient days, the Son of Man comes, is presented before him. You don't have the Father without the Son. You don't have the Son without the Father and the Spirit. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you for this passage that we can only scratch the surface of. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.